Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Sermon Podcast. Abundant Life is based out of Lee Summit, Missouri and has campuses throughout the Kansas City metro area and online. We want to see your life changed by Jesus. For more information about Abundant Life or for locations and service times, visit livingproof.co. Thanks for listening. Good morning, church. Exciting days. God is on the move. He's doing something new. He's reaching farther and shining brighter than ever, and I'm so glad that you're here today. We're in a series called Irresistible. We're talking about the next two years of our church and the initiatives and the things we're hoping for, and we're looking back at the last two years we called Impossible, and one of the initiatives of the Impossible campaign was to launch an online campus. A lot of us have no idea what that even means. I don't mean just an online presence, an online audience, but actually assimilating people into the life of our church from hundreds of miles away using new technology. You see, God is on the move and doing something new. Started yesterday for the first time. It had never happened in all of history that I'm aware of. Something brand new. Dabo Sweeney, Nick Saban, both lost on the same day, and Kansas football became bowl eligible. (laughs) I'm just saying, it has to be a biblical sign of some kind, doesn't it? I mean, really, this has never happened. No, I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about something that's never happened historically in American Christianity. Now, this is not new in the scope of 2,000 years of church history, but it's new for me and you. I'm talking about what we're calling a church house movement of people gathering in small groups in their homes on a Sunday, worshiping in real time with Abundant Life from hundreds of miles away. What does this mean? Abundant Life church house movement is a multiplying movement of small worship gatherings of Christ followers who grow spiritually, find biblical community, and live missionally to reach their communities. Church, I'll just tell you how it happened in my life, in my heart. Everybody remembers something rather significant happened around March of 2020, yes? That little thing, right? The pandemic, and every church in America closes doors on Sunday mornings, and we began all meeting online. We worshiped online. Now, we very aggressively, proactively worked hard to open back our doors. And I don't regret that at all. If we ever have to do it again, we'll do it all again. I mean, I really believe that it was the right thing to do to open up quickly, as quick as we could. No regret whatsoever. But something happened in my heart during those eight weeks where we were all worshiping at home, uh, watching and worshiping online. And over the course of those eight weeks, we had revival in the Hopper home. I mean, we had phenomenal worship in the Hopper home with a few of my friends and family, kind of my inner circle. We would gather in my living room. And honestly, those eight weeks were sweet. I mean, they were joy-filled. They were really, really, really something special as we worshiped online with so many others. I'm telling you guys, we had revival. Like the preaching was awesome. I got saved like every week. (laughs) Did it again. No, that was the weird part. Watching myself preach was weird. Okay, that was weird. That was the weird part. But, but I began to realize this is something that will be replicated hundreds, even thousands of times. See, I'm convinced COVID hit fast forward. It hit accelerate on something that was happening culturally already. 
And I think COVID did in two years what would have happened already in 20 years. It just accelerated this phenomenon of more and more people worshiping online, right? So this is the age where people are getting their education online, they are shopping online, and more and more people are worshiping online. So it's time for pastors like me to simply say, it counts. It does. And I'll tell you why it does, because theologically, the church is not a building, it's a body, which means church happens wherever the people gather. And this is why we're going all in with an online campus and online worship. But to receive what will be, you have to hold loosely what is and has been. And that is always the challenge in church life. That's always the challenge in our life, guys. Every single one of us, God wants to do something new, but to do something new and to receive what will be, you have to hold loosely what has been. So it was in the days of Ezra. Open your Bible to the book of Ezra. Ezra chapter three, it comes right before the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. In Ezra chapter three, what is happening in the book of Ezra? Ezra is a priest that has just led 50,000 Jews back from Babylon. You guys know because we've been through the book of Daniel. All year long, verse by verse, what happened? The Babylonians led the Jews into captivity. They left Jerusalem desolate. They had pillaged and plundered the temple. They had burnt the city. And now after those 70 years captivity, it was the Persian monarch by the name of King Cyrus by decree that allowed the Jews to go back to their holy city and rebuild the temple. That's what's happening now in the days of Ezra. I wanna pick it up right now in Ezra three and verse 10. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple, of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundations of the house of the Lord was laid. Understand, for the Jews, they could not worship without their temple. Even Jews today, if you see on TV, at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, that's all that is left of the temple of the time of Christ. It was torn down by the Romans. And so even today, Orthodox Jews are praying at the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall, that one day they will be allowed to rebuild their temple. And so on this day, in the days of Ezra, they were allowed to finally rebuild their temple. This was a day of celebration and jubilation for God is allowing them finally to worship like they were meant to all along. And you can imagine the joy. They've been redeemed from captivity. They're no longer living as slaves in Babylonian city. Now they're free to worship their God once again. You can imagine that joy and celebration was in the air. But look at the next verse. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the father's houses, old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes, yet many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of the joy from the noise of the weeping of the people, for the people shouted with a loud shout and a sound was heard afar off. You have some of the younger generation that are shouting and praising God because they're now allowed to rebuild their temple and begin to worship their God again and this is a new move of God, but you got the older generation that said the old man who began to weep. They began to sob. They were not celebrating. No, they were not full of joy, but rather sadness. Why? Because it says they remembered the first temple. 
See, they remembered what was, so they could not find joy in what would be. See, they, they, they saw the first temple, and they began to sob and weep. You know why? Because this temple don't look like the old temple. And the old temple is better. I like the way it used to be. You understand that is always the challenge for you and me. Hey, life is full of change. Change is inevitable. Now, I know why change is hard in church life, y'all, because we look to the church to be the one thing in our lives that never changes. In a world that is always changing, full of insecurity and instability, I want my church to be that one thing that never changes. But here's the reality. That's not reality. Everything changes. We simply get to choose our change. Either we change for what is good or we change for what is bad. Either you grow or you die. And that is true of the church. Listen carefully. You had these old men that remembered what was, so they could not celebrate what is. And I'm telling you this because there's something new that's happening in church life in Western civilization. It's not new in church history, but it's new for you and me. In Western society, with more and more people worshiping now, in their homes in real time that don't come to a church building with a sign that says service times. And let me tell you what pastors are talking about right now behind closed doors. This is what happens when pastors get together and we talk behind your back. Right? This is how it goes down. Well, you know, we only are seeing about 60 to 7% of our attendance that we had pre-COVID, and that's true. On average, the average church in America is seeing their attendance about 60 to 7% of pre-COVID attendance. Now, our church grew uh, during COVID. That was an anomaly. Most churches did not grow during COVID. Some did, some didn't. But I talked to pastors all over this country, and on average, about 60 to 7% attendance uh, on their Sunday or weekend services. And so this is what they're saying behind closed doors, behind your back. How are we going to get them to come back to the building? How are we going to get them to come back to church? And this is what I tell them. Maybe they're still going to church. They're just not coming back to your building. Maybe the church of the future isn't going to look like the church of the past. Hmm. And so there's pastors out there, honestly, that are kind of weeping and mourning like these priests and these Levites, these older men that was mourning what they lost instead of receiving what God would do. They were looking back at what was. And, and so there's, there, you know, pa pastors and church leaders all over America are, are trying to decide, am I going to go all in with this thing that is new or I'm going to try to do what God once did? Here's the reality, guys. Change is inevitable. We simply choose our change. And this is the age where more and more people are getting their education online. More and more people are shopping online. Imagine Target saying, no, you cannot shop online. You have to come to our building if you want to shop. Yeah, where would they be? Imagine an educational institution saying, oh, no, uh, 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 uh. if you don't come to our campus, you cannot get your degree, not from this institution. Nobody would think of that, but when it comes to churches like you know, ours, it's like, oh no, it doesn't count if you don't come here at this time in this space, at this location. And I'm simply saying it's time for people like me to tell people like you that it counts theologically. The church is not a building. It's a body. 
And so we're going all in on what we're calling Abundant Life Online, this church house movement of people gathering in smaller spaces and places to worship in real time with Abundant Life, sometimes from hundreds and hundreds of miles away. And we can weep for what the church was, or we can simply see the new that God is going to do. And I want you to understand, change is always inevitable. We get to choose our change. Uh, I like to go antiquing on occasion. My wife and I like to maybe go for a day trip and we just start driving and we'll hit antique stores along the way. And I enjoy antiquing because like I love history. So even if we're not buying anything, when you go through an antique store, it's like a walk down memory lane. It's like a time machine to the past. And I kind of enjoy that. I mean, you see these ancient relics of a bygone era. And it's kind of cool to see, you know, what people used 100 years ago and what life was like for them. And I've actually, honestly, thought of a business model. I haven't pulled the trigger on this yet, but I've thought about this. Honestly, you want to make a lot of money? Buy a bunch of new stuff, set it outside long enough to let it rust, and then sell it for more money than it's worth. Yeah. I haven't done it yet, but I'm thinking, wow, there's, there's some money to be made here. <laughs> Things appreciate the rustier they get. <laughs> but but um, this is one of the things I like to do to pass the time in an antique store. I always look for always look for this right here. This is a copy of the 1908 Sears and Roebuck mail order catalog. You guys have heard of Sears, or maybe you're too young to know about Sears. Sears and Roebuck, y'all, was like the Amazon of retail just 50, 60 years ago. They were like the heavyweights in the world of retail. By far and away, the largest retailer in the world, Sears and Roebuck. And they became the largest retailer in the world because they thought of something innovative that no other retailer had ever done. I know what we're going to do. We're going to let people shop in our catalog and order stuff from hundreds of miles away. And because it was innovative, nobody had ever done this before, 1908, every year thereafter, they were sending catalogs out to Americans everywhere. And they became, because of the innovation and the creativity, they became the largest retailer in the world by far and away. By 1973, they had 350,000 employees worldwide, and they built a pinnacle, a trophy, a Tribute to their success, you guys have heard of the Sears Tower in 1973. When it was opened in 1973, it was the tallest building in the world. And it was for over 20 years. But guess what? I was there in downtown Chicago just this summer. And it's not called Sears Tower anymore. As a matter of fact, I doubt you have shopped at Sears in a long, long time. You know why? Because they quit doing the things that got them there. They quit being innovative. They quit being cutting edge. They, they quit seeing the future. And so consequently, they're no longer anywhere. Uh, what you have is a relic to the past. And for many churches, I'm telling you, we think we're too big to fail. Some of the largest churches in America that I know of have decided we're not going to live stream all of our weekend services. We're going to live stream only one. You know why? Because they think if they live stream them all, people won't come back to church. That would be like Target saying, no, you can't shop online. 
That would be like, hey, my, my son-in-law got his education, a four-year undergraduate from Arizona State University, yet he never had been in his entire life in the state of Arizona until we went on vacation and we literally drove him to the campus of Arizona State University so we could take a picture of him next to the sign. <laughs> See, everybody else gets this in every other part of industry, but the church were always the last to change. So pastors behind closed doors, uh, now many of them are weeping for what was. Like those Old Testament priests, they remember what was instead of having joy in what will be. God is still moving. It's just not going to look the same that it used to. And I'm trying to tell you today, for any church in America that decides we're not going online and all in, I'm trying to tell you, they will soon be like the Sears and Roebuck catalog, a relic of the past, a monument to the past, instead of being a part of a movement that will take us into the future. And I want you to know some things will never change. Even though it won't look the same, some things will never change. Do you understand that even in Ezra's day, as it was in those prior days, God had always intended his temple to be a light to the nations. That was always why God had them build that temple. You see, God redeemed the Jews, not simply to redeem the Jews, but that through the Jews, God would redeem other nations too. And the temple, and the building of that temple was to be a light to the nations as God literally dwelled in the Holy of Holies in that physical habitation. But listen very carefully. In the Old Testament, it was a building, but in the New Testament, it is a body. This is why I love the Old Testament, all right? We're not gonna unplug from the Old Testament, even though a lot of people are like, well, we live in the New Testament. Here's why. Because the Old Testament is full of pictures, prophetic pictures. It's full of symbols and shadows of what God was going to do in the New Testament. So when God told Moses to build that tabernacle and later Solomon that would build that temple, that physical building was merely a picture physically of a truth that God was going to do spiritually, that now we are the physical, literal, breathing building of God, that God now lives in us. No longer does God live in a literal brick and mortar building, but now he lives in his people. It was on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter two, the people of God that had put their faith in the son of God, received the spirit of God. And now every single one of you, just like he has with me, when I received Jesus by faith as the son of God, I also received the spirit of God. He's come to live inside of you. And God wants you now to be the temple to your neighbors and the nations, to shine for him. And this is why Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the temple of God dwells in you? Everything in the Old Testament is a picture of the new. And that Old Testament temple had the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies where God dwells. Guess what? You've got the outer court, that's your body. You've got the inner court, that's your soul. And you've got the Holy of Holies, the dwelling place of God, which is your spirit. You understand that everything God wanted to do, he still does again. It just doesn't look the same. It doesn't look like it used to. See, what we're learning is the church is not a building with stained glass and steeple. The church is people. It's people. We are the church. See, the church is not something you go to. Church is something you take with you. You is the church. The church is wherever it gathers. So when I was in Sunday school, I paid attention. 
remember my Sunday school teacher, I was just a little child. She taught me this truth. You know what she did? She said, okay, we're going to build the church. Oh yeah, got a Sunday school girl right here. Already doing it with me. Here we go. Everybody, we're going to build the church. Do this. Come on, church houses, participate right here. Build the church. Build the church, right? Close the door. Raise the steeple. Open the door. See all the people? There they are. Waving at you. See, the reality is the church is not a building with stained glass and steeple. It is people. In fact, church is not even a great translation of the word Jesus used. In Matthew chapter 16, when he said, upon this rock himself, he built his church and the gates of hell would not prevail. Church is actually a German word. Understand, the word he used was ecclesia. And when Jesus said that upon this rock, he would build his ecclesia and the gates of hell would not prevail, Jesus was not picturing a building. No, he was not picturing simply a weekend event. He was picturing a movement. The word ecclesia means called out assembly. The church then is wherever it assembles. I don't know what you think of when you think of abundant life. If you come to the Lee Summit campus, this is what you might picture in your mind's eye. But this is not the church. This is the building. If you come to our Blue Springs campus, this might, might be what you think of and what you see in your mind's eye. But this is not the ecclesia. It is merely the building. If you go to our Independence campus, you might picture this, but this is not abundant life. This is merely a building. Very soon, we're going to have an ecclesia of abundant life in downtown Kansas City at 1840 Cherry. But understand, this is only the building. This is not the church, because the church is a body. Let me show you the church. This is the church. What do you see? You see people. This was Friday night of our revival weekend. 2,000 people in this auditorium. It was an awesome night, the gathering of the ecclesia of abundant life, the assembly of our church. But listen very carefully. Let me show you that as something is just as relevant, just as a viable ecclesia of abundant life, it's this right here. This is a picture of one of our church houses in Liberty, Missouri. And they're worshiping in real time on Sunday morning. Is this just as viable of the Ecclesia gathering as what we got here in this Lee Summit Auditorium? Everybody say yes, or you ain't listening. It's simply time for pastors to say this counts. Because right now people are trying, well does that count, can we do that? Theologically, of course we can do that. And modern technology is allowing us to disciple people and shepherd families from hundreds of miles away. It's already happening. And I want you to know it's happening in a place called New Richmond, Wisconsin. Everybody say thank you to the Blazik family. Everybody give it up right now for Ryan and Nicole Blazik. Thank you for being a pioneer. Seeing farther than most people can see, they've just launched a church house in their town of New Richmond. Listen to their story. I'm here with Ryan and Nicole Blazik, all the way from New Richmond, Wisconsin. They actually just launched a church house in late July. Is that? Yep, correct. So y'all been going for three, four-ish months. And so we just want to ask you some questions today. There's a lot of churches around you guys in the Wisconsin area. Why did you guys choose to be a part of Abundant Life and specifically the church house movement that's going on through Abundant Life? 
we've been a part of a, another church for over 20 years and a church plant. We just felt the Lord moving us into a different direction, but we didn't know what. And we didn't know what what this could be that he would be leading us to. When I had heard Pastor Phil on the Heidi St. John podcast, during COVID, that kind of was a catalyst. We would sometimes listen to our home church, but then really mainly got our main meat in the true growth that we saw in ourselves and in our children through Abundant Life. Now, we can talk about tons of stories, but can y'all tell me how you have seen God move through your church house, even in the last three months of starting it? Our first person we had come. I just saw her. I've invited her to our other church that we were a part of, and she came sporadically. I just knew when we started this, that this would be the environment for her to really thrive. And it was, and she was willing, and she was ready to take that on. And she came, and she's just thriving. She's experienced real community for the first time. What is a church house? And can you share, like, what it is y'all do to give clarity to anyone that could be wondering what a church house is or maybe that God's putting on their heart to start one. The thing that God was laying on my heart starting this thing was this isn't Ryan and Nicole's church. You know, this isn't, yeah, you're coming into our house, Mm -hmm. but I'm not your pastor. That I facilitate, sure, and you know, get discussion going, but I'm not gonna be that leader. You, Pastor Phil, are our pastors. Mm -hmm. You know, and we get fed through abundant life. Mm -hmm. This isn't us disconnecting from the community and saying, we're only hearing about Kansas City now and we don't care about enrichment. It's the other way around. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, we're building a smaller community that can expand to enrichment, Mm -hmm. being fed from abundant life. If somebody said to you guys, should I start a church house? What would y'all say to them? It doesn't have to be what you think church looks like. I think some of us who, like we said, we've been in church all of our lives. We have ideas of what we think church sometimes should look like. Um, and you just need to kind of get down to the basics and the simplicity of it. And we talked about four basic things that you need to do, that we're hearing the truth, we're worshiping, the gospel's being spread, you're discipling, um, and you're living in community with one another. As long as you're doing those things and you want to do those things, I say, go do it. What are you guys excited that God could do through your church house in the future, specifically in the new Richmond community? The, what could be, I mean, you're, it's just this open hand. Here you are, Lord, this mm-hmm. is yours. Who can we share with? Who can we invite to come? Um, who's the right person that, you know, this isn't for everybody. Everybody, it isn't. I see um, Ryan's discipling a person in the church house. I praying for some baptisms. Um, some people haven't been baptized yet. You talk about obedience. You talk about community. Like it's not for everyone. I, and I think that's because it's really hard to hide and not take your next steps. Uh, exactly. But then I love that you went, but we're also, we're seeing discipleship happen. And that's where the whole hope of the world is on disciples making disciples. Jesus said that, go and make disciples in Matthew 28. And you guys are doing that. And the people in your church houses are doing that to where someday uh, I know that y'all have this heart, that y'all would multiply and start another church house near you guys. And so, you guys, thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Again, Ryan and Nicole Blazik's in New Richmond, Wisconsin. Back to you, Phil. Exciting. Praise be to God. Ryan and Nicole, pioneer.
doing something new that God wants to do. Let me share with you very quickly the, the evolution of church life in America. Over the last 50 years, this is what we've seen happen, all right? Listen carefully. About 1980, uh, it was the monocyte. What is the monocyte? Generation after generation, church really didn't change. It was one building, one location, one service, one time on the weekend. That was a monocyte. But about 1980, the megasite was born. This is a new model, never been used before. Somebody thought to themselves, well, we're out of space in the auditorium. Instead of building a new auditorium, let's just use the same auditorium twice on Sunday morning. Yeah, it was cutting edge. It was so innovative. And then they said, well, we're out of space in both services. I know, let's do it again. Let's have three services on Sunday morning so we don't have to build a new auditorium. And the mega site was born. What happened at that time? You had still one location, but churches larger and larger. Why? Because you added more and more services. Not multiple locations, but more and more service times. But then something happened about 20 years ago for the very first time. The multi-site model was born. A part, we're now a part of that model, multi-site, with launching campuses here in our city. And you know, about 20 years ago, somebody had this innovative, cutting-edge idea. Well, we, we're out of seats in the auditorium. We can't add any more services. Let's send a bunch of people from this location across town to another location, and we'll send them a DVD of the sermon. Yes, some of you have no idea what a DVD is. That was before Netflix. You ever heard of Blockbuster? Forget it, forget it, forget it. They're not around anymore either. This is what happens in a world that changes where you don't change. And so somebody thought, let's just send a DVD of the service. This is how fast things have changed, guys. 20 years ago, when I started preaching, if you missed church, we told you to get a tape of the sermon. What's a tape? It's kind of like an eight track. Forget it, I don't have time to explain. So the multi-site model was born, of which we're a part of that model. We can go farther and faster. Remember, the Great Commission is not by addition, but rather multiplication. The goal is not seeing how many we can gather, but how many we can scatter. And now you have the microsite model. What that means is churches like ours are going to get larger, but we're going to do it by growing smaller. This is what God is now doing. And now the debate is no longer, does the multi-site model count? I told you what pastors talk about behind closed doors. 20 years ago, it's, hey, does that count? Can we really do that campus thing over there? Is that real? Nobody's debating that now. Guess what they're debating now? Wait a minute, does online count, really? See, it used to be, hey, if you can't make church, it's better than nothing. Just watch. And I'm trying to tell you now, for some of us, not all of us, it's not simply better than nothing. It is how God is going to minister to you and minister through you. And what the Blazics are doing in New Richmond, Wisconsin, I predict will be replicated hundreds, even thousands of times in the next 10 and 20 years with more and more believers connecting deeply to a church from hundreds of miles away. And I could not be more excited to see a move of God that has the chance not only to reshape and redefine what church looks like, but reach people in new places and new spaces that could have never been reached before. I don't have time to share with you all my sermon again. I remember the good old days when I got an hour to preach. Yeah, I could be like the old men that remembered the good old days and the temple looked like, I, I don't have an hour anymore. I still have an hour of content. 
I just run out of time. So I've got to fast forward here. Don't have time to talk about you. Hey, this is our barn campus in Cedar Falls. Everybody say, hi, Cedar Falls. I was going to talk about you. Don't have time. Uh, Troy Price renovated the barn. Matt Reister helping lead that. Don't have time. Guys, we love you. We just don't have time. Okay, now I have time. I'll slow down. Why would you start a church house? Whether locally in our area, and we have church houses in the Kansas City area, people that could drive here, they just choose not to. They're worshiping in their home with other believers in community, living uh, missionally. The church house in Liberty, I showed you that picture. They come on site one, uh, twice a month, and then they worship in their home twice a month. See, it's both and. It's not, well, you got to pick one or the other. Not always. Church history tells us it was never one or the other. It was always both and. It always has been both and. Why would you consider starting a church house wherever you live? Well, first of all, it's not. It's not. I repeat, it's not. Because it's easier having pajama church alone in your home. And for some of us, that's what you're doing. You're having pajama church alone in your home. This is the downside of what COVID did, guys. COVID isolated a lot of people. That's the downside. And so if you're watching church online, you're not being church just because you're watching church. You cannot grow spiritually in anonymity. Uh, you cannot grow if you're trying to go solo. So if it's just a matter of, man, it's just easier staying home on Sunday morning, that's not the reason to do this because you cannot grow if you're not part of an ecclesia. That's an assembly, a called out assembly. Who are you assembling with? And it's more important than ever, whether you come here or any one of our on-site campuses on a Sunday morning, or you choose to stay home and worship in your living room, this truth is still for me and you. Hebrews 10 and verse 24 says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching." Listen, we're living in that day. If you went through the Daniel series, you, you know that I know and we know that we are living in the season of the second coming. That's the day that he says is approaching. And what he's saying is the closer and closer we get to the second coming of Jesus Christ, it's gonna get harder and harder and harder. We are living in a society of increased hostility toward biblical Christianity. You know what he's saying? We need each other more than ever. Don't be alone, don't go solo. And listen, you can come on site every single week and still come and go in anonymity. This is why we talk so much about community. Don't be isolated. Find your community. This is something the church house model has going for it. You got community built in. And they're able to digest and process the sermon immediately right there in their home, instead of breaking away for another thing during the week in an already overcommitted life. That's why a lot of us here aren't in community. I talked to two families a week ago, and I asked, so are you in a group, are you in a community? Well, I was in one in our group, and it, we, just, we, it, we just wasn't sustainable, so it kind of broke up, and man, it breaks my heart when I hear your group broke up, but I also know the world we now live in is more demanding than it's ever been. So what this has going for it is you're not trying to break away another night out of the week. You're going to church with your community. Now, why would you consider launching a church house like the Blazics did recently? Well, first of all, because there's no Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church in your area. Now, for those of us living in the Kansas City metro, this is hard to fathom, understand. We are not the only church in our city that loves Jesus. 
We're not the only church in our city that loves the word of God. There are great churches all around us. Uh, But if you live in certain parts of America, there could literally be no church preaching the word that's a gospel light, a gospel witness in your area. What do you do? The least reached people in America, small town America, rural America. Could be there's nowhere to go. You've been watching Abundant Life online. Listen, we don't simply want you to watch Abundant Life. You can engage in Abundant Life, assimilate into the life of the ecclesia of Abundant Life. But it could be your heart simply connects with the heart of Abundant Life. That was the Blazics. It's not that there's no other church to go to, but sometimes, let's face it, you don't know why for sure, your heart simply connects with the heart of the church. Uh, why do you guys come to Lee Summit? Why are you over there at Abundant Life Independence or Abundant Life Blue Spring? It's not because there's no other church to go to. God led you here. Your heart connected to ours. That's why. And that's why you might consider launching a church house in your community from hundreds of miles away. Maybe there are churches, but your heart connected with our heart. That's what God did with the Blazics during COVID. We didn't even know each other. I'm amazed now looking back, I'm so thankful. This is something I couldn't even see coming. I like to say, you know, I'm a visionary person. I can see the future. But this is something even I didn't see. I'm simply following what God is now doing. Now, there's a third reason. You see the opportunity to grow spiritually in biblical community while living missionally. Historically, the downfall of the house church movement in America is it's very inwardly focused. There's no focus really outwardly, it's really inwardly. It's kind of that Christian compound mentality. That's not what we're trying to do. I am convinced this is a missional opportunity. As our nation becomes increasingly secularized and our nation is less and less churched, the people in your life that need Jesus, for some of you, you got a better opportunity, a better probability of getting them on a Sunday morning to come to your home because they know you as opposed to the traditional brick and mortar church building. So who are you looking for finding your one? The Blazics have a young lady I met in the group. I was up there two weeks ago, 13 years of age, by the name of Josie, precious, precious young lady. And she told me about a little girl in her life, a friend, she's 12 years of age, and she's looking for her one. See, that's the goal, or we got the wrong goal. Now, I've got to move, but listen very carefully. If you want to know more about launching a church house wherever you live, Kansas City or even around the world, you can go right now to livingproof.co slash online, click on church houses, and Pastor Kyle Warsham, he's your go-to guy. He's your pastor, and he will tell you more and more about it. He is there to equip you and help you and support you, and I will absolutely promise we're going to see a move of God for decades and decades to come. Church, for all that's changed, there's some things that will always stay the same. Once again, I'm out of time, so let me just put it this way. Remember what I said. The temple of God has always been to shine the light of God from our neighbors to the nations. What this new technology, what this church house movement has given us now the ability to do is reach people in new places farther and faster than ever. Jesus said, from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What's it mean when he said in Matthew 5, 16, that you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. He said, even so let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. 
next two years, we're focused on this theme, irresistible. We want to be a church of irresistible influence. We talked about last week, the salt, the salt of the earth. That's the truth of what God has said. An irresistible church stands on the truth of God's word. But now Jesus says they shine the light of God's love as the temple of God. We're here to put God's love on display in a tangible way. From Kansas City to Kenya, this is the Great Commission. From Lee Summit to Lithuania, from Raytown to Russia, from Greenwood to Guatemala, from Overland Park to Olathe. Now our online audience won't get that, okay? We got that. Suburbs of Kansas City. From Mexico, Missouri to Mexico City. From Parkersburg, Iowa to Pakistan. From New Richmond to New Delhi. From St. Louis to St. Petersburg. That is the Great Commission. And if that is not our mission, we've got the wrong mission. That is why the Spirit of God now lives in us to shine the light of God from our neighborhood to the nations. Would you pray with me? Jesus, that's our prayer. That is our desire as the ecclesia of abundant life. Wherever it gathers, no longer simply a church in multiple locations, but a church in many, many locations. And God in heaven, we pray that we could be that shining city in the darkness of our day. And I prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give Jesus the glory today, church? He's worthy, isn't he? Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure and subscribe and share with a friend. We hope today's message inspired and challenged you. Let's go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. For more information about Abundant Life, visit livingproof.co or follow us on social media at Abundant Life LS.